Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 258. No, 59. Because it's a bonus. Because it's... Anyway, this is episode 259 of the Trash and Pieces podcast. And I'm joined today by Winston Duke. Um, Man, this was a great one to get. I got to go and see Us um, as a preview screening. Us is the new film from Jordan Peele, who's the writer and director of Get Out. And it's fantastic. And uh, Winston is one of the leads in that. He was also in um, a Black Panther. He's the the other kind of king that ch- that challenges the king that lives up in up in like the mountains and then comes down and and helps save uh, a Wakanda and all that. Um, so, so, so yeah, we had a really good chat. I had a limited amount of time, but I really wanted to get this one in, and I knew I could put it out as a bonus if it's a bit short. He's just a great talker, and it was so great. Again, I've said before, I get more from this as an actor than anyone else gets as listeners. Um, But it was great to talk to an actor who is so thought out in his approach to everything. So there was literally just tons here I could learn. Obviously, there's also loads of really good stories and outlooks on the approach and working with Jordan Peele. I'm going to stop rambling on. Um... You can head over to patreon.com slash Pip if you want in on that. I mentioned in this podcast, I mentioned the episode with pa- Patricia Kalours of Black Lives Matter, if you enjoyed that. If you're intrigued by that, go and have a listen. Um, I think I mentioned the Spike Lee episode. I'm not sure if, if we mentioned that before we were rolling. We definitely mentioned, sorry to, to bother you, so you can go and, ch- and check out the Boots Riley episode. I think I mentioned the Killer Mike episode one point again i can't remember because I, I i set up while winston was in the room so the killer mike episode was dope so yeah there's some good episodes to go and catch up on if you um enjoyed this but for for, for, for now this is episode 259 of the distraction pieces podcast and i am joined by winston duke into he's into lunch break how's it going man i'm joined today by winston duke how's it how's it all going wonderful wonderful thanks for asking are you uh enjoying the 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 trip to the uk so far yes 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 um uh, my first time in england in london and you know it's it's wonderful everyone's really lovely and receptive and everyone's loved the movie and yeah it's really great yeah um how do you find these uh press runs and and things things like that because it's often a weird thing that you're quite detached from the project by this point right because you filmed it and then it's in the hands of of editors and 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 the director to kind of put things together and then you have to come back and go oh yeah i remember that film (laughs) i I remember how that was well it, it honestly feels brand new in the sense of we've been watching it and watching it um, often with an audience for the first time, which changes oh, wow. the movie completely. Watching it with the audience at South by Southwest yeah. was kind of like the final character in the movie finally showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly with, with a horror, right? Yes. It's one of the, I'm a big fan of, of, of cinema visits in general, 
but I like being in, in the cinema on my own as quiet mm-hmm. as possible. But horrors, <laughs> and maybe like I like I take my god kids to a, a few kids films, and kids yeah. films are ones yeah. that it, it adds to if there's no yes. But horrors are maybe a, co- a big comedy. Yeah. It adds to that excitement because the reactions, right? Because you're it's it's so communal, so it's like yeah. being on a roller coaster, and you're like, oh my god, we're going up, we're going up. I've never done a roller coaster alone. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And yeah, I feel like sense. that would also change the experience. Yeah, of 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 what's happening. So being in there and everyone else screaming or laughing, it changes the entire thing. And South by Southwest was just one of those artist communities. One of those they question everything that they see. Yeah, they laugh hard. They love hard. They all these different things. So it was really just amazing to go through it with that. And then they cued us into a lot of nuances that when we were watching by ourselves, we just didn't see. Yeah. Sometimes you know, comedy is so cultural. Comedy is so much a thing that it all depends on like who's watching or listening and their point of view. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that glance was really funny. Yeah. That, (laughs) you know, that inflection was really funny. So some things that happened and that they laughed at, we just never saw it. But then now we're seeing it all the time, you know. I love it. Did you have any of that in your own performance that you – on the day you were playing it one way and then with a crowd they reacted in a different way and you get to be kind of – Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, I, I played that for laughs. That was intentional. Um, I think some of Gabe's lines, I think yeah. the um, slapping, and uh, I hope that this is coming out after yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the movie. Yeah, it is, it is. Okay, so the slapping of the engine, Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was that funny. Yeah. <laughs> after he's like, I know what to do. They told me how to fix this. Yeah. And he just starts slapping the engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't think that would be funny. Yeah. And it was funny. But then when my doppelganger is hitting the engine as well, yeah. they went crazy because, again, that's the way he knows how to fix things. Yeah. <laughs> so I never, I didn't think that would be funny at all. And in both sides, it was really good. Yeah. It, the, 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 there's been. And we'll get into this more later because we've got a decent amount of time to talk about things. But the, it's, it's a really exciting time for black cinema and black characters in cinema. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for that is the mistake when when white people were writing mm-hmm. black mm-hmm. roles was, mm-hmm. oh, we've given you this strong, powerful character. The real um, inclusion and equality is to have f- flawed characters, varied characters, yes. interesting characters. So. Yes. This must have been uh, a dream of a role because you've got, again, it, I don't want to give tons of spoilers, but in the trailer it's clear that it's about there's some doppelgangers um, in there. You've got your main character who's a flawed dad, mm-hmm. who's everything embarrassing about your dad, mm-hmm. but then everything gr- great about mm-hmm, a dad mm-hmm. at the same time. And then you've got a whole completely different character to play mm-hmm. as well. So, so how was that to kind of to read it and then to get to go and jump into it as a role? It was almost like being able to do two movies together. And that's made it both challenging at times, but the best opportunity. Mm. So challenging was doing two movies during the time span of one. Yeah. So knowing that you had to flush out both characters equally. And at least that was my challenge for myself i said i have to have two different perspectives and clear point of views that really 
clearly detailed the world. Yeah. That I had to do this for myself. That was the challenge and doing it within the time span. And then the opportunity was really almost saying that yeah. in a different inflection, which is yeah. the opportunities I get to really flush this out yeah. <laughs> and create yeah, two yeah, different yeah. point of views, you know, for characters and have them be influenced by their surroundings. So that was really the the big thing and saying that I see Gabe as a husband. Yeah. And I see Abraham as a partner. Yeah. Um, not judging either character and going yeah, into yeah. them totally empathetically and not saying, you know, Abraham's a villain yeah. because I think Abraham is shaped by his surroundings. Yeah. And how he's connected to Gabe is that they're essentially the same person but defined by their proximity to privilege and comfort. Yeah. So Gabe gets to have health care, something super basic. Yeah. He gets yeah. to have health care and have access to health care and have glasses so he can yeah. see. Meanwhile, Abraham doesn't. Yeah. Abraham can't see very well and has to become a lot more tactile and and uh, touch his surroundings and be so much more deliberate because he has to and it's a means of survival. Yeah. Um, Gabe can spray it on the walls and see what sticks, you know, as his personality. Yeah, yeah. He possesses all things. He possesses the home. He possesses the trophy wife. He possesses the trophy family. Meanwhile, Abraham has to be a partner and sees salvation in his partner. Yeah. So he's an ally. He yeah, has yeah. to be an ally because that's the only way for things to get done. Yeah, so really course. defining these men by their world and then having them have clear point of views on how they also interact with that world was really important. Yeah. Re removing the kind of societal constructs of good or, or evil, did you have a character that you preferred between like, no, finding it yourself? I, yeah, did you I like didn't. I, I thought they were like my kids. I thought yeah. they were like my baby, so I couldn't choose. I thought Gabe, I got to lean into my spontaneity so much. Yeah. I got to play with just like spontaneous decisions and actions and be very reactive yeah like gabe was reacting to a lot of what was coming at him of course. meanwhile uh abraham i got to just like really try to impact the world and be totally just very thoughtful about every single thing i did because he had to if he grabbed something he was not gonna let go yeah um it's very powerful but finding his power and finding very small moments you know Seeing for the first time was very big for that character. Yeah. You know, um, so really being dropped in in every situation, but having them be defined by different things was really, really necessary. Yeah. How was it taking your first kind of step into horror? Into horror? Because it is its own beast. And mm -hmm. I mean, there's a balance, and we'll, we'll get on to talking about Jordan a bit later but there's a balance in good horror to have that to have humor in there to have l lightness in there so the impact of the horror is 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 greater i guess mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so how was that to, to step into and preparation wise was there a different approach to go right we're doing a horror now here's how i need to approach this uh yeah this role 
um, there wasn't a different approach to it being a horror. I think it was a different approach to me going into what I felt was Jordan Peele's world, which was yeah. a world of layers and a yeah. world of allegory and metaphors. So really figuring out what those were like and doing research on the imagery and what that meant and what that could mean and how I could play within that and be bold within it was helpful yeah. and necessary. But how the work is similar is I still need to be a dad. I still need to create attachments. I still need to know why I love my wife. Yeah. I still need to know what frustrates me about the relationship. I still need to know my point of view. Do I have a favorite child? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so those <laughs> basics are no matter what genre, they're going to be there. Yeah. So like the relationships have to be clear and defined. And at the end of the day, the only thing that changes is the conflict. Yeah. The conflict's going to be different. Them, how, what they have to get through and how they respond to conflict is really going to be what makes it a genre piece yeah. for the actor. Yeah. So really knowing that I could still simplify my work yeah. so that the big things can be imposed upon it. Like yeah, the big sure. story pieces can be imposed on it. So really being clear with what I want my relationships to be helped. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think, oh man, I got to prepare for a, a horror film differently. What I did want was to figure out how the genre functioned. Yeah. So Jordan gave us a bunch of movies to watch, and the movie that I attached myself to really immediately was The Shining because it showed how a family dynamic could function within yeah. the horror genre and how a monster that felt incredibly familiar yet foreign at the same time could be depicted. Yeah. And that monster was that. the father. Yeah. And I said, oh man, this is really good stuff. This is good stuff for me to like take into this movie and play around with. Um, how the home could be functional. Yeah. Um, uh, so that one was like, that one was my secret way yeah. in. I was like, oh man, this is the thing. Yeah. I can play with this one. So it wasn't something where I, I had to to try to do anything in particular just for the genre, but understanding the genre and the conventions used in it was really important for me. Yeah. The, the Shining feels like a great one to take influence from for Lapita's character and, 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 and for you to be, be looking at Lapita's character because in The Shining, you know, the home is kind of the monster mm -hmm. a building and for her character at least in the first half that location that that town mm -hmm. that, that area is the thing that we don't know why she has a fear of mm -hmm. it and she doesn't really know why she has a fear mm -hmm. of it so it's a really good one to find that intangible mm -hmm. before it becomes mm -hmm. a, a, a physical threat i guess oh, completely and and the home in in our movie as well yeah for me so there's this great metaphor for how perilous these structures that we cling to can be like this house that's beautiful while the glass and the windows, but it actually doesn't protect them whatsoever, no, no. <laughs> you know? And it's like our comfort is just comfort, but it, it doesn't actually protect us. It doesn't serve us yeah. in any other way other than an, an aesthetic, yeah. you know? And that for me was something that was really important to like take notice of yeah. and live within. And if my character Gabe was a man who was defined by his possessions, how vulnerable 
is he really? Yeah. So really understanding that and having myself be an expression of that was very important for me. Yeah. Did you have to kind of balance your urges as an artist and an actor and <laughs> and 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 the character because again you touched upon the fact that Jordan will have layer upon layer and so much stuff in there but Gabe wouldn't be aware of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. he's not that that kind of guy so did you have to kind of restrict how much you read into everything because because the reality is the people that you're playing aren't mm-hmm. going to have knowledge of that so it's yeah. a balance right well I never play anyone who's not as smart as I am yeah so Every character I play, I think it's really important for every character to be as smart as you are. Yeah. But they might not have the means of expression. Yeah, sure. Um, so with Gabe, I think Gabe, for me, sees the world through the lens of a patriarchal culture. Yeah. So he's the head of the family. When he speaks, he must be heard, you know. I sit at the head, I drive the car, and all those things translate into like how he traverses the world. But then his definition of self and performance of self and how I performed him isn't your classical male in cinema. He's not, yeah, he's not your stoic leader. He's not your stoic Western cowboy that acts more than he speaks. He speaks way more than he acts. He is overly articulate. He's overly... He shows you everything that's going on on the inside. He's able to be goofy and strong at the same time. He's able to be sexual and also a bit unattractive at times. Sure. uh, All in the same being. And... That, to me, was like his expression of self and how I played him was one that wasn't, you know, what he professes that he is. And that, to me, represented the duality. That, to me, was the opportunity to show duality in this character. Yeah. Um, and and I leaned into that. Like, I leaned into being able to do that. I, 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 I really... It was a pleasure to be able to do something like that, you know, and yeah. also do something that people don't really expect of my traditional build yeah and appearance right i i don't you don't really look at the six foot five broad shoulder guy as 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 the comedian yeah you know you look at him as the action person you look at him as the guy who's going to solve the problem you look at him as the leader and i think we break those norms we break those um those tropes and yeah. play with those in a really interesting, cool way. Yeah, I thought he, as a character, he brought great reality to the kind of mm-hmm. surreal world that Jordan t- t- tends to, mm-hmm. to thrust us into. The uh, Again, it's not giving much of a spoiler, but his initial reaction to um, to the, the threat was so real. Because all of us think, in that situation, we're mm-hmm. going to stand up and we're mm-hmm. going to get the job done. He kind of tries that and fails. Mm-hmm. It's... It, we always talk of fight or flight, but there's actually fight, flight, or freeze. And mm-hmm. there's a level of freezing in, in, mm-hmm, in what he does. He, mm-hmm. he's, in his mind, he wants to be, I'm here to fight. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, uh, th- it's not working. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. b- 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 being scared off. And I thought that was a beautiful way of, mm-hmm. and again, something rarely seen in TV. In TV, it's, it is always, as you said, the hero stands up and has mm-hmm. their moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a hero in a film. And he couldn't quite do yeah. it uh, uh, instantly. In the end, well, there's ups and downs he, of every character. He realizes that the things that he attached himself to and that he clings to don't really serve him. Like mm. 
the patriarchy doesn't serve him because it doesn't lend itself to a means of actual survival. Like yeah. allyship lends itself to actual survival. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, if you just take it on yourself to have all the answers, but you're not in the position of, you know, what's needed for this situation, then you can't be the leader there. Yeah. You know, you have to, to rely on others and others' strengths as well to to complement your own. Yeah. So he has to learn that. Um, he has to you know, see through the veil in, in a in a deep way. Yeah. Um, privilege doesn't help you, you know, and I think that's what the power of these genres too, is it allows us to say, really, you know, these isms don't function for us in extremis. Yeah. Like if the zombie apocalypse happens, like does it matter that your help comes from a black guy? Does it happen? Does it matter if it comes from a gay man or gay woman? Does yeah. it happen? Does it does it matter if you know who helps save your life? Yeah, like you can't be racist. Yeah. <laughs> the zombie yeah, yeah, apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know it, it's it's these isms don't really serve us. So he has to learn that that doesn't serve him. It doesn't you know like being attached to the car. Yeah doesn't serve him yeah. <laughs> being attached to the home and 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 so on doesn't serve him yeah um all these things that he's attached to doesn't actually serve him you know so it's really it's it, it, it says a lot about who we are yeah yeah so so i mean we've touched upon it being a jordan peele project mm-hmm. rather than necessarily a horror or, or anything like that and he does seem to have just come straight out the gate and established himself as 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 this cr- creator. Um, the way I think about it, before I became an actor and a, a podcaster, I made my name um, in rap. And mm-hmm. when I was starting off in rap, I was all about the key is content. Content's the most important thing. Forget mm-hmm. about all these new f- f- fancy flows or techniques. Content comes first. Mm-hmm. And that was ignorant because down the line, I then realised that people like big, Daddy Kane, Karis One, Kendrick, all of these were going, no, you can have all of it. You can have content and the flows and mm. the, the smoothness and the mm-hmm. delivery. And Jordan feels like he's come straight out and done that in his films. So you can have a message but still be entertaining. You can have, you can make a stand, but it doesn't have to feel like you're at a lecture or doing homework. And you can be scary, but it can still have humour. So it kind of, how was it working with someone who seems to be throwing the rule book out or, or more just th- throwing the restrictions out. Cause I think a lot of what he works, a lot of the way he works is in strict confines of rules of how a genres work, how mm-hmm. films should work. Yet he seems to not care about the yeah restrictions and it, it seems to work. I think it's really just, uh, I think what's really great about what he does is, is redefining a lot of things and redefining, the genre through redefinition of language. Yeah. Um, and once you do that, that feels like breaking the mold and that feels like breaking the structures, but it's really, it's evolution. You know, once we could self-define, yeah, I think it gives us a lot of agency. Yeah. Um, I think he helps to redefine things like violence. What does violence really look like? Is it violent that these people are being stabbed or is it violence that these people have no control over their destiny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah. it, you know, is it violent that, I think it, the character's name is Chris in Get Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it violent that Chris, you know, impels someone with 
uh, with the horns of an antler, or is it violent that they're trying to steal his mind? Yeah. They might not be killing him, but they're trying to gentrify his body. They're trying yeah. to take his soul out and put their soul in. Like, that's really violent, yeah. you know? Course, so yeah. it's like a lot of redefinition. And I think when you approach redefinition, that bleeds into whatever genre you're in. Yeah. And that kind of helps to create your own space. So I think he what he's, he's doing is helping to do what a lot of other people are doing right now is curating conversation. Yeah. And once you can curate conversation, you could do it within the confines of your genre or you could break the rules within that, that genre because the intention isn't about changing the genre. The intention, I think, is about curating conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do I most effectively curate conversation? How do I curate conversation about the complexity of, you know, black psychology? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not trying to change genre. Yeah. I'm trying to cultivate black psychology and yeah. how it's depicted in, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in, inside our inside our, our, our genre and inside our, our industry. Yeah. So you see people breaking tons of norms and establishing new rules when talking about black psychology like Sorry to Bother You and Boots Riley. Yeah. Right? Where that's all just like shifting convention, breaking the fourth Constantly, wall yeah. and fifth wall. Like yeah. just like breaking all these things. But really I think the intention is let's shift the conversation yeah. instead of let's shift. Because if you just do it to do it, then things can be, feel trite. And, Completely. And yeah, things, things feel as if you're just, you want to be important for the sake of being important. I couldn't agree more. I think, I think it's, it's, it, what comes along in Jordan's work is that he's learnt the rules and he's choosing to, to right. subvert them yeah. rather than just, oh, I don't really know, I'm just going to do what I want because I'm a, right. I'm a renegade. Focus on the intention rather than, you know, focus on the intention rather than the impact. Yeah. Is, is really what he's doing and it's, for me, that's how I frame it. That's yeah. how I frame the thought. Did you feel there was a removal of pressure in some part in it being... In, in in a Jordan Peele project, being a Jordan Peele project, the, the, the way I was thinking of it on the way here is, I don't know if you're a football or soccer fan at all, this is a really odd odd reference, but there was a, a few years back in the UK when Ch Chelsea were winning all the, the league and cup, they had a manager called J a Jose Mourinho and people would get annoyed that it felt like Jose was making it all about him and it wasn't mm -hmm. about the team, it was about him. But what that actually did was give the players room to do what they do without the pressure, mm -hmm. without as much pressure, without... So the fact that people are now waiting on a new Jordan Peele project means that, that you guys, same as in Get Out, can come out and shine without it feeling like the pressure is on you. Did that feel that it, it was the case at all? Or did you feel the pressure of being in, in essentially a, a follow-up to Get Out, the next project after Get Out? It is a great question. I didn't feel a lot of that pressure i think it's there's a lot of self-imposed pressure and yes that's being his sophomore film but in a lot of ways this being my sophomore film yeah you know this is uh, my follow-up to black panther yeah and you know trying to do something that's totally different than how people saw me before 
Um, but I was very pressure averse and tried to steer away from it because I felt that pressure could be detrimental to the creative process for me. Yeah. Like, and how much I'm ready and willing to risk. And I don't like working in that kind of space. I, I like being able to not be governed by people's ideas of how I should do a thing or how it would look. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's harder <laughs> done than yeah. said. But I stayed as far away from pressure and, like, far away from any ideas of how this guy should be played and these men should and could be played because I wanted to feel as free to create. Um, I feel, in regards to the aspect of the question of it feeling like there's a lot of pressure taken off me, I don't feel like any of us really walked in every day with a chip on our shoulder. I think if there was pressure, I didn't really see it because Jordan came every day just listening. Yeah. And it always felt like the script was in process, just like we were. So anytime we had a thing where we'd say, this doesn't make sense, or can we do something different, he'd say, yeah, I'm going to go through that on the next pass. Yeah. Or, yeah, we're doing that scene like a week from, week and a half from now, and I just did a pass on that. What do you think? And we'd talk, and he'd be like, okay, I'm going to go home and look at that again. So we'd say that on a Friday, and a Monday would be a totally different scene or yeah. little things would change and it really made you feel like things were evolving so you never really came in thinking of pressure it was yeah. just it was changing like you changed yeah or we'd see something totally different on the take and we we're shooting a lot of things in order and yeah. we'd be like i didn't think of that just from off the page yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah, that yeah, came yeah. just from being in that moment and seeing it totally different. Yeah. I think that actually leads into this moment, don't you think? And and we'd have conversations like that often. I love that. If it, it feels like a real indie film of vibes. So how did that differ from Black Panther? Because Black Panther was man, if like if we're gonna talk of films having an impact, mm -hmm. I had I had a Patricia Colours on the podcast who's mm -hmm. was talking about founding Black Lives Matter. And she brought up the importance of Black Panther and of of of, of Wakanda and 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 giving this f fictional country to get behind and and to unite behind without any conflicts. And so, how was that to work on? And how was that? I guess after it came out, because that's got to have been where it all started to get really real. You know, mm -hmm. when it came out and it was suddenly this huge thing. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, where these two movies are similar, it's, it's it's about rich world building. Yeah. So working on them is really about laying deep foundations and what the worlds are and kind of building the structures and living in them. Yeah. So it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy. Um, the reception so far feel quite similar actually yeah. um when black panther came out we saw like fan art and all this stuff like crazy it was just like watershed moment yeah and then so far with us we dropped the trailer on christmas yeah and right away fan art 
nuts people attaching them because again it's offering people a different way to view themselves and you brought this this up earlier saying you know it's it's given people a way of not seeing themselves as perfect or uh, or completely imperfect yeah it's somewhere in the middle yeah and i think we all kind of feel that and that that's the universal truth yeah. you know no matter your background is that you're you're in process yeah and it shows people in process right and that's the power you know what i mean that the the black panther showed a culture in process yeah black panther showed a culture that's trying to move forward and figure themselves out you know i'm a new king and i have to figure out how to to govern yeah. i just lost my dad and i'm trying to move forward i don't have a home <laughs> and i'm trying to move forward yeah. where's my home so it was all about process you know what i mean yeah um and our movie as as well is about process and it's, it's those kind of universal truths and i think that's what's really getting people feeling like they're included and it's about black psychology which is what we don't see in film very often yeah. we don't see films that say you're complex you are not one thing at any time you're not a monolith you're not good just because we see you in a moment of goodness you're not bad just because we see you in a moment of of terrible things you're somewhere again within the gray yeah you know and i think that's what's powerful what's happening behind the eyes yeah um and it it allows people to see those things and what comes out of those two worlds is it's it's really special to be a part of you know and black panther allowed people to reclaim a past that they always knew they had represented in a fictional present yeah yeah <laughs> that feels familiar and completely distant at the same time yeah right and that's just something special that's just a big thing to be a part of and um, I always say that you know we walked into that movie as actors and walked out ambassadors completely for Wakanda. Yeah. And with this movie, I don't you know we haven't yet felt the impact. Yeah. Um, we're getting ready to see what that's going to be, but you know it's 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 really great to be able to to show something and do something that has impact on people's lives, and that's the power of representation. Is you're not always able to tell what that impact's going to be. So it's really good to focus on the intention. But representation does so much for all of us. It, it does so much for us as adults. It does yep. so much for us in our infancy, you know, yeah. because it helps us form who we are in a, in a really holistic sense. Yeah. So Black Panther and us, it's, it's just really powerful and seeing you know, that kind of representation of diversity and strong, diverse black psychology and other moon movies like Moonlight. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just, it's really powerful. And it just allows you to just be so much more. Yeah, completely. It, it, it felt like with, again, on, on, on Black Panther as well, I mean, us is very much an ensemble Piece, but Black Panther felt exciting because it came. It ended up coming out kind of feeling like an ensemble piece, and that it hadn't been the way in superheroes. Really big ensemble. Yeah, piece, it, yeah, that hadn't been the way in superheroes in the past. Generally, the primarily white superhero and their their opponent or, mm -hmm. or enemy were the two 
focuses of the films and everyone else was kind of mm-hmm. would pad things out whereas black panther there was so it felt like so many surprise breakout characters everyone was excited mm-hmm. to see who black panther was and what it was going to be but, but it was your character and so many other characters that that brought it to life with such depth and variation yeah i feel like everyone actually went in there and this led with their best foot forward yeah. as well so everyone took the opportunity to just flex and blow the world out yeah. you know so it ended up being memorable for all these characters and all these actors um which was powerful and it it left me just feeling like there's room for all of us because in in that scarcity model yeah. that a lot of dominant cultures in the world as we know it right now exist in yeah uh, it it says that there's only room for one there's only room for one black male lead there's only room for one black female or one female lead altogether mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> there's only room for one asian guy there's one room for one indian woman you know and in a movie like black panther it's told me and taught me there's room for us all yeah and that you can see the nuance in all of us yeah. like you could put michael b jordan and chadwick boseman in the same movie and and have nuance yeah you could go as far as to put Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Daniel Kaluuya, and Winston Duke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have totally different characters and all worthy, powerful performances. You Completely. can put Danai Guarira and Lupita Nyong'o, who are two dark-skinned women, yeah. who would usually be at odds for the same role, and see them as completely different people. Yeah. You know, so it really left me going, Wow. There's room, and there's room for all of us. So yeah. we don't need to be in competition. And that felt really good. And that I carry that into all the other jobs that I do as well and how I traverse through this industry. Yeah. Well, uh, was acting always the kind of the goal uh, when you were growing up? You were uh, born in, in, in Tobago, right, mm-hmm. and then came to the uh, America. Was acting on the cards, or was it something that you had to kind of – fight to get a foothold in because again Not all of these the big changes days, yeah. are in the recent years it feels like so it does feel that you will have been preparing yourself for an evolution you didn't know was coming mm-hmm. so it's kind of a beautiful th- thing in that way mm-hmm. completely completely so that preparation feels in retrospect something i've been doing forever and like it's been i've been being prepared by life forever yeah. but during the time, it wasn't something that felt deliberate, you know? It yeah. just felt like working hard and being good and being good to myself so that I'm able to sleep at night, you know? Yeah. Um, I never robbed anyone. I never hurt anyone. I never did anything that I feel bad about. Um, so I could sleep easy, you yeah. know? So that that's, that's a big part. But, you know, it wasn't always deliberate (laughs) which means it wasn't always easy yeah you know i couldn't say i'm going to do this and these two things are going to add up yeah um i mean my history of being from tobago started preparing me to be a storyteller from when my sister used to read the jungle book to me from yeah like some of her first books that she brought home from the library the local library um to the old man that used to spend his afternoons um, at our restaurant and tell me all these old folklore stories 
you know, or just interacting with a culture of just big personalities that everything became a story, you know. So I was just being prepared just subliminally um, my whole life. And then being from the position of an outsider, right, because I came to the United States as an immigrant and had to acclimate to a totally different culture and had to read about the culture to get into it and yeah. and find ways into it through like comic books and books and TV and you know art yeah. um that i was looking at it from an outsider which means i was like fighting for what is the story yeah <laughs> what's the story of this world so i can interact with it yeah um so like the world was preparing me i just had no idea yeah <laughs> you know I love that. um and really just appreciating that and leaning into it's been really helpful that's perfect i'm going to wrap things up now and and let you get off off to lunch but before we do i just want to kind of ask it's always a tough question with actors because there's so much you can't talk about but what's ahead obviously i'm going to swerve endgame completely because i don't want you getting in any trouble yeah Um, they'll they'll come for you let's just not talk about that in any way but yeah they've got mics in the room (laughs) uh, what is ahead i know you've you've shot a film with Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. who I'm a big fan of. There's talk of a Kimbo Slice film I was reading. I'm a big MMA fan. I was meant to have mm-hmm. Kimbo on the podcast just yeah. before he, he passed away, sadly. Oh, but wow. that's an exciting project. So, what, yeah. yeah what, so, what you know, things? again, can't talk very much, but it's <laughs> uh, everything that I'm a part of, I'm glad to say, is a conversation piece to me. And yeah. I want to always be in conversation with my culture in some way. Yeah. Um, either larger cultures that we participate in or smaller subcultures that are, you know, that exist. I want to be in conversation and that's how my work, I want to interact with people. Yeah. I want them to question themselves and question their surroundings and just ask and speak and converse. Um, so everything I'm doing kind of falls within that vein as of right now. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that. I'm producing some of my own things Amazing. as well. So it's a good time. Lots of work. Yeah. Um, but it's a good place to be. It's ex- exciting. Well, th- thank you very much for your time. And I'll let you go off and, and have some lunch and have a brief break before getting <laughs> straight back on it. Thank you so much. Thank you. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that. A little short one. What an amazing talker, right? Um, Yeah, I loved that. I loved him, his explanations and how thought out he was with his explanations. Um, Great dude. I'm excited for all that is ahead for this guy. He, He seems to have a real good head on his shoulders and a real good outlook um on everything so yeah exciting i loved having that conversation and there you go a little bonus one under an hour we've we've bought it in under an hour i even kept the intros and outros short as we're on the outro i'll mention a we are lizards my club night i'll be djing in a a rubber lizard mask we are back at the book club on march 30th come down and get involved the book club march 30th three before 9 p.m at five or after door price increases as the night goes on uh if you want to be on the q jump list 
uh, email your names to info at thetrashsociety.com. Um, and patreon.com slash scroobiuspip if you, if you want to support the podcast and have all the extra bonus behind-the-scene content um, and information. But I'm not going to hard sell anything here. Speech development, com is my record label. Blah, 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 blah. Hope you enjoyed uh, this one. I really enjoyed having the time to talk to Winston. I enjoyed putting together my questions because watching us made me have a lot of unusual and interesting thoughts and ways of shaping the questions and putting these things so it's always a buzz for someone as a podcaster and again as i was saying at the start as an actor as well because you're engaging with another um you know someone who you hope to be your peer down the line um it's great when you have your guests say that's a really good question i've not been asked that before particularly on press junkets because they're getting asked a lot of questions over and over again so yeah it was a cool one to do. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week. Uh, but until then, this has been Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 259. Ta-ta.